Okay, so today we're going to begin learning a Febrengen the Rebbe gave on Parshas Vayigash Tavshin Nun Beis, in which the Rebbe discusses the role of a Jew in exile, and how it seems to be paradoxical. That on the one hand, Hashem wants us to be in the exile, on the other hand, He wants us to be totally... Um, dedicated to the mission Hashem has for us as if there is no exile. Amandel Futafas was once by a Febrengen and uh, someone asked him the following question. The question everyone everyone asks this question. He asked Amandel, it says in the Torah, the Gemara says you're supposed to say, says in the Torah, the Gemara says you're supposed to say the world was created for me. It was created for me. How does that fit with humility? Isn't that arrogant? Wendell Futafas put his head on his hand. He has to think about that. It's a tough question, right? And one of the people by the Fabrengen, he said, I actually was in the audience with the Rebbe and I asked the Rebbe this question. So Wendell put on his, his kapota and his gartel and he said, Wait a second, wait a second. He's hearing a yechidus, a fresh yechidus from the Rebbe. The Rebbe's t- telling him something. So the guy said that he came to the Rebbe, he asked the Rebbe this question. The Rebbe said, for me, the world was created. The word, that, the word world in Hebrew, olam, means concealment. Every Jew has to say, the reason why there is a concealment, the reason why Hashem hides himself, is for my sake. It's in order that I should reveal him. I'm here for a mission. I have something to do over here. I'm not like, in other words, like a... Uh, I'm not in prison. I have a, I have a, I have a mission over here. Someone might be go, sent to a prison to uh, spy on prisoners. He might have to dress like prisoners and eat like prisoners, and he has to hang on to prisoners, but he's there as a spy. He's there to do something. He, he, he is, doesn't feel confined at all. Before you uh, uh, become a, a accepted in the, in, in, in the army in various units in Israel, they, they do incredible stunts in South America and the Marines, incredible stunts they have to do. But despite the fact that they're so hard on them, they don't feel like they're in prison. They feel they're there for a mission. So we shouldn't feel like we're like, you know, in a in a uh, bottle full of uh, we're flies and roaming on this bottle. We're here for a mission. We have a reason. I was created, I was sent to the world for the hell. And because the concealment is for my sake, I can reveal godliness in the world. When I say a bracha, when I learn Torah, do a mitzvah, I'm here for a reason. So exactly what is the nature of our mission here in the world the moments before Mashiach is about to come, and let's go right to it. Uh, I sent the PDF to the chat. Duber Pomim Rabbis, Shakol Hanyonim and Supporim Betere Bloshne Ra, Machil Betechme Royce Nitzchis, behold, Hol Yudi Yudu Homatsev, Holzman Homako Homatsev. We've spoken many times. Everything that's discussed in Torah, the word Torah means instruction. Can, everything discussed in Torah contains within it instruction for every single Jew in every time, in every place, in every situation. There are general instructions, and there are also very specific messages, very specific situations of each time and place that a Jew is found in. The same applies to Parshas Ve'igash, which is what we're supposed to live with at this time. 
As the Alter Rebbe said, he has to live with the times. So th- this week, we have to live with Parshas Vayigash. Vayigash of Yehuda, Shemani Yeshne Yeroes Nitzchis and Mephiros, and he sent us to Havin as Techen Aveda, Vayifan on Hagosh, a Yehudi, Vigam Messen, Zan and Chachi, Ragoim Achrim Shal Golos, Vespichs Mamish, Gur Mitzashleimah, Gdur Kampamim, Fradlachreinah. So too is this regarding Parshas Vayigash. Parshas Vayigash has in it eternal messages, eternal instruction for each of us to know what the content of what we need to do, how we need to behave even in these times the last moments of the exile right in proximity to the true Kupika Ula as Rebbe said we spoke many times how this is the time of Mashiach so what exactly we're supposed to be doing in these last moments of the exile we can know what the, how we're supposed to behave from Parsha Svigash base at first glance, the connection between this parsha and the Geula is seen from the Haftorah. In the Haftorah, it talks about how when Mashiach will come, there will no longer be two kingdoms as, as there used to be, the kingdom of the tribe of Yosef and the kingdom of the tribe of Yehuda. Rather, when Mashiach will come, it says in the Torah, there will be unity of both kingdoms. Hashem tells the prophet, take one tree, one piece of wood, and write the name Yosef on it, take another piece of wood and write on it, Yehuda, put them together. Hashem says, I will gather the Jewish people from the nations. My servant David will be the leader for them forever. They will only have one king. And this is the content of the Torah, how things will be when Mashiach will come, how we will only be led by Mashiach, and there will no longer be two kingdoms. So that's the seeming connection to the time we're in, Time Mashiach, after is about Mashiach. Was it Yecheskel? That was Yecheskel, yes. Aval Nesel the Kach Shaftera, Mevdasrakas Ashach Zagula, Ach Enem Kach Lumulibai Rabbe Pale by Vishal Goyma, Ibedeno by Yomer Gom Shoknegula. But doesn't really address us. That tells us what we'll do, Mashiach will come. We're now in the moments before Mashiach is, is, is about to come. So, what is the message for us in the moments that, we, that before Mashiach comes? Before we get to that, we have to ask another question. What is the relationship between the Haftorah and the Parsha? The Haftorah and the Parsha, not only are they not similar, they seem to be, be the opposites of each other. The Haftorah and the Parsha are totally opposite. How so? The theme of Yehud approaching Yosef is exactly the opposite of the theme of the after. Why? In Yehuda's approach to Yosef, it, you see how Yehuda is in, is in need of Yosef's of Yosef. Yosef is one in charge, and Yehuda needs the viceroy of the king to grant him his request. Who is in charge? Yosef. And the way he dresses him, you see how he is subservient to him. He calls him my master. 
He says, please, my master, I consider you like the king. In that parsha, Yehuda is looking at Yosef and saying to him, "Listen, Paro appointed you to be second in command. No one can move around in this country without you. Paro made you the guy." And not only that, Egypt at that time was the superpower of the world. Pari was the king of the world, Melch Bekipa. He was the king of the entire world, so there's no one else to turn to except for you. And the Aftorah is the exact opposite. The Aftorah says the wood that has the name Yehuda is on top. Yehuda, David, who is the son of Yehuda, will be the king forever. So how does the Aftorah fit with the Parsha? Parenthetically, just an interesting thing. Um, I don't worry, I just saw this recently. The, when the Rebbe would con- communicate with the Hasidim in Russia, the Rebbe would use a code name of himself. Sometimes the Rebbe signed his name as Uncle. Sometimes his name as as Zayde. I don't remember now who it was, or whether it was the Hasidim or the Rebbe who used the name Mr. Davidson. <laughs> that was the Rebbe's code name, Mr. Davidson, son of David. So David Avdi, David HaMelech, is the son of Yehuda, and he will be the leader of the Jewish people, Mashiach will come. And that is the content of the Haftarah. And the content of the parasha, Yosef is the king. So is Yehuda the king, or Yosef the king? There are two times different things happen. But how come there, this is the Haftarah for this parasha, where it seems to me that they're opposites of each other. Haftarah is supposed to be about the parasha. Yuvan Zebehektem Bebir Ahiz Gimel. But to understand this, let's first ask another question. Let, what's the connection between the beginning of the parsha to the end of the parsha? There's a rule that the beginning and the end of everything have a connection to each other. I don't know if this is the Rebbe's own novel insight to that this is true for every Torah portion. Or this is also discussed by other um, parshani atera. The Rebbe says the beginning of the parsha and the parsha must have a relationship to each other, specifically, not just because of the content. The content of the whole parsha is connected to each other, but rather the beginning and the end of the parsha have a direct connection to each other. Why? Because it says in the Book of Formation, the beginning is wedged in the end, and the end is wedged in the beginning. Your original thought is the about the final result. The God Zev, Zev pay attention. Zev loves this idea. So, what's the connection between parshas? The beginning of the parsha and the end. The end of the parsha talks about the success, the Jewish people, how they are in the best part of Egypt and they're successful and they're fruitful and they multiply there. And you see the strength of Yaakov and his children. Even in Egypt, under Pare, Pare says, you have the best of Egypt. Pare gives us the best in Egypt. The Torah emphasizes not just they were successful, they were very successful. On the other hand, On the other hand, the content of the parish is the opposite Yehuda and his brothers are in a very downtrodden 
situation where they need to beseech Yosef, need to beg him. Yosef has not yet announced who he really is to his brothers. His brothers are totally subservient to him. They're totally in need of him. So in the end of the parasha, we see the strength of the Jewish people. They're in Egypt, and despite the fact that they're in Egypt, they are, they are the guys. They are the ones who are making it in Egypt. They're the successful ones in Egypt. They have the best of Egypt. And the beginning of the parasha talks about how they're in a very downtrodden, lowly state, needy state. They're stuck, and they need the help of Yosef because he is the uh, second in command of Mitzrayim. So what connection is there between the beginning of the parasha, which talks about our strength, about our weakness, to the end of the parasha, which talks about our strength in exile? Explanations like this. Everyone get the question? Beginning of the parasha, then the parasha, the opposites. Beginning talks about how weak we are, how we need Yes, we need, we need the second in command of Mitzrayim to free Binyamin. And the end of the parasha talks about the opposite. The end of the parasha talks about how the Jewish people are so successful in Mitzrayim. Although at first glance it seems that in Yehuda's approach to Yosef, in Yehuda's approach to Yosef, you see the strength of Yosef as the governor, as the viceroy of Egypt. And how Yehuda needs Yosef, but if you think about it, you see how Yehuda acted in a very chutzpedike way, in a very strong, powerful way, with a breitkeit. The breitkeit means with, I don't know, the direct, the, I guess the direct translation of breitkeit would be broadness, but that doesn't at all translate the word. Breitkeit means that expansiveness. expansiveness. Is that a word that use people use in English? Yeah. Go with expansiveness. All right, go with expansiveness. Yehuda acted with expansiveness. Yehuda acted like he is the guy. He is in charge. He doesn't need Yosef. You know, sipping his coffee, you cannot see his facial expression. Yosef is the second in command. He is the one who is ruling the land of Egypt. Pari says, no one can move their hands or feet without you. And Pari is, again, the, the king of the entire world. Yosef is just like Pari, the same level of strength as Yehuda himself acknowledges. And despite that, and without knowing that this is his brother Yosef, Yehuda is not affected by this. Yehuda acts with the full confidence that he doesn't even ask permission to walk over to Yosef. He walks over to Yosef, and he doesn't just walk over to him. He walks over to him like with 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 a power move, and he speaks to him very chutzvedik, very very insolently. You could tell he's speaking insolently when he says, "Don't be angry at me. Don't don't be upset at me." I, like when someone says to you, I don't mean to be insolent, but that's just an excuse to being insolent. So not only is he being insolent, he's putting himself in, in actual danger. He's endangering his life, knowing what Yosef might do to him because of his insolence. 
Nimsa, So actually, you see in Yehuda's approach to Yosef, not the strength of Yosef, you see the strength of Yehuda. Who is this guy? He's walking over to Yosef, the king of the world, and he's like, I'm going to tell you something. Don't get angry, but I'm going to tell you something. Now we can understand the connection between the beginning of the parsha and the end. The end of, and the connection of the The end of the Aftera, the end of the parsha talks about the strength of the Jewish people in exile. The Avteir talks about how Yehuda will be the king of all his brothers. So you see a little bit of that in Yehuda's approach to Yosef. This is something that has to happen, Yosef, and I'm going to make this happen. That kind, the wherewithal that Yehuda had expresses not the strength of Yosef, the strength of Yehuda. It was Yehuda's approach to Yosef that gave the Jewish people the strength in exile to be successful. And it is further Yehuda's approach to Yosef that is the approach, that is the, that is the energy that we, that we need to follow to reach the coming of Mashiach to get to that moment when David will be the king over all the Jewish people, to get there, we need to go in, into, that, into that channel of Yehuda's approach to Yosef. There's something about Yehuda's approach to Yosef that gave the Jewish people the strength to be successful in Mitzrayim, and that gives us the strength to be successful now in Egypt, in Gullus, and prepares us for and gets us connected to the future of the coming of Mashiach. So that's where we're going to go in the Sicha to discover what exactly is the meaning of Yehuda's strength? What was going? What made Yehuda tick? What was he thinking in his approach to Yosef? And how do we need to think? How do we need to look at our lives? This is something we'll see in the sikha, something that is really... Yes, today is Hey Tavis. Today is a day, as we shall see in this talk, the Rebbe speaks about, not directly, I don't think, on Hey Tavis, but how a Jew is able to affect change in court by being strong and not giving up, and he's not just following the rules of the country, he's able to affect change. It could be the Rebbe is referring to the menorah lightings uh, being allowed in public places. It could be the Rebbe is referring to the federal victory of Chabad and the, the victory of the Sfarim. I'm not sure, but I think the Rebbe is referring to David LaBelle and Maish Levin in regarding our uh, personal challenges in exile and the, way, and the kind of imaginary limitations we put upon ourselves. You know, David, how they train elephants? They take an elephant with their, when they're babies, they put a peg, you know, the Barnum and Bailey uh, elephants, the one they put in the circus. They put a little peg in the ground. In the, a three-ton uh, elephant can easily pull that peg in the ground out. But why does the elephant walk around the circle when he has, he's attached to this little peg? He could decide to ruin the whole tent. The reason is because when he's a baby, they put that little peg there and they attach him. When he's a little baby, he can't run away. He gets trained to think this peg is stronger than him. And he never, ever... He never ever knows his own strength. So that's what happens to Jews in exile. They look at themselves and they and they limit themselves of what they can do and what they cannot do. I just heard a story uh, today about my grandmother. Allah Shalom. It was yard siders this week. My grandmother, Rebbe uh, Yehudas Levin, was the uh, nurse of Kfar Chabad. She was 
the Minister of Health of Parchman. She was the only one who cared, who was devoted at her, in her time to people's health. It wasn't something that... She was, she was a very gifted, brilliant woman, and uh, Randall Futafaz's wife uh, was sick, and they wanted to send her to the, to the hospital. And uh, she didn't want to go. She didn't want to go because my grandmother told her not to go. Every Thursday night, all the chassidim would get together in my grandparents' house. All the, intel- all the gifted intellectuals would get together in my grandparents', grandparents house and discuss chassidus and chassidus. And then the futafas would come. And, uh, and, the, um, and they told my grandmother, can you please tell Remendel's wife to go to the hospital? She tells them, you guys understand in uh, in in in, uh, in Haidu, you guys understand in Turkey like I understand the hospitals. You have no idea how hospitals work. I'm telling you, this is not such a good idea. But she tells Ramandel, "You're such a big chassid. Why don't you ask the Rebbe what the Rebbe says?" So he asked the Rebbe, and the Rebbe said, "Follow the advice of the nurse Yehudis." My point of bringing the story not just to say how wonderful my grandmother was, but also there are things that which you look at as these are the rules, these are what you do. This is this is you got to go to the hospital. This this is what this, this is a protocol. But protocol isn't always the answer, and Jew has to look at himself as a me- as we shall see. The Rebbe describes how we need to look at ourselves and who we are in Gullus. Comments from Yonatan coming up. Okay, they still need to speak. They explained. We said earlier about Yehuda's strength was really, it seems, something that was re- it's totally unnecessary. Imagine if Yehuda knew who the real guy sitting on the throne was. Yehuda thought that he's talking to the second in command. And therefore, there was enormous strength that he exhibited, but his strength that he exhibited was unnecessary. was before Yosef announced who he was. Looking at this from the truth, from the narrator's perspective, not looking at this from Yehuda's perspective, Hashem created the world and Yosef is a guy in charge of Egypt. Do we need Yehuda's strength to give the Jewish people the right to have the best part of Egypt? No. Yosef is the guy who made that, makes that decision on the ground. So, according to the truth, why are we saying that the beginning of the Parsha fuels the end of the Parsha? That because of Yehuda's strength, that's why we're successful. Let's, let's forget about Yehuda's strength for a second. Once Yosef announces that he is Yosef, and, or before he announces he's Yosef, looking at things from the way things are in truth, we don't need Yehuda. Yosef is a guy in charge, and he's a guy who made things possible for us in Egypt. It was Yosef, not Yehuda. But Adrab, Looking at this very simply, it was Yosef who made this happen. This guy walks into a shul, everybody is, is davening that it should rain. He doesn't stand, people are davening that, it's gonna, that it should rain. He says, he said, I, um, I don't understand why you're praying for rain. I have a much better idea. Why don't we... Uh, Put my cat in the oven. I said, what? Put your cat. He said, whenever it rains, my cat runs into the oven. So let's put the cat in the oven. It's going to rain. Yehuda's strength that Yehuda exhibited, Yehuda so 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 you know macho walking over to Yosef was not necessary. It was just something that happened to happen at that time. It seems the reason why they were given that place it 
because as Yosef said, I, I, you didn't put me in, in, the, in the, you didn't sell me to Egypt, God sent me here, and he sent me here to give you salvation, to support you, Yosef is what makes this happen, Yehuda walking over to Yosef, was something that, that caused Yosef, caused Yehuda to, caused Yosef to, to announce who he was, but it wasn't really what made things happen in Mitzrayim, it was Yosef, who made the Jewish people so successful in Egypt. So we're back to our question about the beginning of the parsha and the end of the parsha. It seems that what made it successful is not Yehuda's exhibition of strength, rather it was Yosef. The same question can be asked about the Avteira. Since Yosef was the one who was really in charge, and Yehuda's strength was only temporary, how does that relate to the Avteira, which talks about the eternal monarchy of King David and his descendants? How Mashiach comes from Dov, from Davin Melech, comes from Yehuda, and Yehuda will always reign the Jewish people. How does that have any relevance to Yehuda's temporary display of strength, which, in the, looking at things from the true perspective, was unnecessary? The Adrab, the opposite. The truth is that looking at things from the way things were in reality, Yosef was the one in charge, and Yehuda wasn't in charge. So the after, which talks about Yehuda being in charge, is the exact opposite theme of, of, the, of the Pasha. Yehuda's display of strength is just something external. The truth is that Yosef is in charge. So how does the content of the after have any relationship with the Pasha? The after is about Yehuda being the king, and the Pasha is about Yosef being the king. In other words, Looking at things from the, the true, real re- reality, that Yosef is the one who runs everything. So Yosef expresses our strength in Egypt. Yosef expresses the strength of Jewish people in Egypt. Why are we strong? Because we have Yosef. That's what would seem to be the reason why we were successful. But since everything in the Torah is true and real, so there must be something about Yehuda's approach to Yosef that has a message for us and somehow is connected to our eternal king Yehuda and how the Jewish people are successful in Mitzrayim, that's something that Yehuda does that is beyond what Yosef could possibly do. Sitting in the chair of the viceroy of Egypt is something that he cannot do, and only Yehuda was able to do that's beyond Yosef's strength. So we need to figure out exactly what's the difference between Yosef's strength and Yehuda's strength when it seems that Yosef He's the second commander in Egypt. That's, that's, that's as high as it goes. And how come we need Yehuda's strength? What is Yehuda's strength? And what do we learn from that? And how does that lead us towards the coming of Mashiach? We'll get to that, Mr. Shem, uh, tomorrow. Any questions, comments, or criticism? All right. Have a great day, Jeff. Hey, good, Jeff. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. A great day to Beryl. Great day, David. Great day, Yonatan. Great day, Nachamendel. Great day, Rezev. Great day, Mechal Mordechai. Great day,